the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. What a beautiful fall day here. Uh, let's start off thinking positively. In life, there'll be times when you make mistakes and fall or be oppressed by someone and fall again. Our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. That's Confucius. That goes out to my favorite Marine. All right. Get better, buddy. All right. Uh, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. I think that was Santanyana. And here's one that I think is interesting because it came from a Democrat. In one morning, I walk, if one morning, I walk on top of the water across the Potomac River. The headline that afternoon would read, President Can't Swim, <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson. All right. As, as always, we talk about our webpage first off and WHK1420 AM. All right. And go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. Uh, you can go right to my webpage. There's all sorts of stuff. There's a business owner's guide to transition planning. I'm helping a couple of people out. Uh, young lady who is, uh, uh, she just, she wants to sell the business. That's all. She's going to start a new one, I think. Also, and in, in in another uh, gentleman who, uh, his sons don't want to buy his business, which is too bad. But anyway, it's uh, we're, we're helping him out. And uh also, the Savvy Investor's Credit Handbook. Uh, I can't tell you, this is what a time to borrow. If you're not going to borrow now, never borrow. <laughs> the lowest interest rates in history. Uh, plus, we have our dividend growth list, our prime income list, our small cap list. Um, and, and also, we have our uh, multi-cap uh, list, which is small cap, large cap, and that's large capitalization stocks small capitalization cops and, and mid capitalization stocks. There's been some home runs in there. So uh, if you'd like them, just uh, you can always on my webpage, by the way, there's um, there's two places you want to go. Uh, number one is uh, to uh, the bulletin board where Bob Dickey, our head technical strategist has a piece every day. And then number two is uh, um, uh, on the top part is insights. A lot of good stuff in there this week. Uh, you know, the election, they're talking all about the election. Um, you know, what if, you know, inflation is probably not going to not going to happen, you know, things like that. So uh, very good information. And I uh, highly recommend it. Um, so, you know, I, I was thinking uh, in June, the most recent month for which data is available, obviously, um, franchise car dealers sold one point two million used cars and trucks. That's up 22 percent from a year earlier. So Carvana was the play, all right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's gone crazy on the upside. Lumber has gone from around $300 per 1,000 square feet of board in April to over 932 in August. 
That makes up one-fifth of the material for uh, new homes. So that's 150% increase is being passed on, is what it comes down to. And I think what you're seeing is uh, there's a steep increase also from guys that are fixing up doing home, you know, remodeling projects. So interesting. According to the American Pet Product Association, APPA is what it's called, in 2010, the total money spent on pets was roughly $45 billion. Within the next decade, the spending has mushroomed to 95.7. The biggest annual increase was between 2017 and 2018. Although uh, I just found out that Hawaii is shipping a bunch of their dogs from their pound to the mainland because there's, there's a big demand for them, which I think is great. Um, okay, so what else do we what else do we know today? Uh, you know, I, I was looking and I was at Tom Porcelli. Uh, Tom Porcelli is our head uh, economist, and he's he's uh, I think the institutional all star polls have him uh, as fairly highly rated, as a matter of fact. And um, I, I think what's interesting here is that uh, look. No one wants to live through a difficult recession. <laughs> Nobody does. And there, but there may be a silver lining. The deeper the decline, the further the economy is operating below its potential. The large gap between the economic output during this pandemic and our potential at full employment is huge, and, and indicating a potential for a long duration of expansion ahead. Okay, uh, and that's something that we we have to you know people should be thinking about. Is what I guess I'm suggesting. Uh, it, it, it's something that, you know, uh, going forward, I think is important. Now, the IRS has provided some tax inflation adjustment for uh, the tax year 2001, uh, 2021. Uh, so, you know, there'll be a, the standard deduction for married couples filing jointly rises to 25100 That's up 300 bucks. Uh, the personal exemption for the tax year 2021 remains at zero. Unfortunately, marginal rates for the tax year, the top rate remains 37 for the individual single taxpayer of incomes greater than 525,000. All right. So uh, now I did read. I went. Yeah, I couldn't sleep one night, so I, I read uh, Biden's tax bill, and I think you know the, this is going to be a boom for estate planners. My humble opinion. So here's a couple of things that I saw. First of all, there's a you know he's going to try to have a new federal property tax above your current property tax of about 3%. That's big. Secondly, uh, for, if you're earning about 50K, which is the, you know, the average guy, uh, guy and gal in America averages about 50K over a period of time, it's about 8,000 bucks uh, over a 10-year period of time. It does look like he's going after your 401K, too. Um, they're going to tax it, uh, the money going in. And they'll tax the money going out, which, you know, kind of kills it. So, uh, uh, it, you know, money growing without taxes is important, but they're going to tax you on the way in and way out, it looks like. Uh, also, um, and this is the big one, uh, they're going to tax you on capital gains, but you're not going to have the ability. Uh, so what, if, if I, in my will, I give my kids uh, half my portfolios. What would happen on the day of my death is they they would pass they would get that day of death for all the uh, uh, the different uh, prices for stocks or you know a house or whatever. Okay, they're they're not they're getting rid of that. That's that's what they're trying to do in the things, and so that you'll get taxed 
at uh, the uh, <laughs> the rates that uh, we we all don't like. So let's say you have a house that your parents bought for forty thousand bucks and you get it for two hundred five. Okay, the day they die, and then you sell it for two forty. You don't go from two hundred five to two forty. That's not your capital gains. Your capital gains goes back to forty thousand, and it's the same with stocks and bonds. So. Anyway, a couple other things I noticed. Uh, the AA uh, Investor Sentiment Survey, bull bear spread, reached the highest level since February of this year. And that's the signaling that investors are gradually taking a more bullish posture towards the equity market. Now, early last week, uh, you know, we, uh, or about a week ago, the QQQ is a new high. And, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. But, uh, you know, I, I what I was really concerned with is um, – if you look at the uh, the difference between the bulls and the bears, it's not that there's so many bulls. It's just the number of bears came down. So the number of people that are neutral went up, which is rather unusual. Uh, it, it's something that, you know, you don't see very often. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you got to think about that. Uh, but anyway, you know, just so you know, it, it's one of those things that uh, – uh, you know, it's, it's kind of weird in that the bulls aren't at 50 percent or anything like, like, like that. They're at 35, but the bears are only at 30. So the rest, everybody else is neutral, which is interesting. And look, you know, we had a sell off. And one of the things I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, and I was fairly bullish, uh, so I've been wrong, uh, is that the VIX wasn't coming down. It was staying above 30. And I said that normally during periods of, un, you know, uh, Low volatility is when the market takes off. But we've been over 30 for the VIX. The VIX is the fear index. It's the volatility index. The higher it goes, the more fear. And it, and it went up uh, about 10, 10 points uh, so far uh, this last month. And, uh, you know, so it's it's an interesting uh, scenario, uh, and it continues to happen. So the, the market's discontent is largely being driven by the delay in the U.S. stimulus package and the resumption of the COVID shutdowns, I think. I, I think also, you know, it might be having to do with the election. You know, it's amazing. The press is saying that, that Biden is basically won, yet if there's several different uh, uh, surveys that really do a good job and have predicted uh, the presidential outcome for the last 60 years, almost 100 percent of the time, uh, said there is a dead heat. So it'll be interesting to see. But look, the fact that the, the VIX spiked uh, is probably not bad news. We, we probably needed it to go up before it could come down. Okay. So I think you got to remember that and, and be, uh, you know, be smart about it. Okay. Uh, look, banks will no longer be required to submit the London interbank offer rate or LIBOR quotes after December 31st, 2020. Uh, as a result, there's uh, some uncertainty associated. So if you have a LIBOR based uh, loan, a mortgage, Let's say, you know, a lot of people do. Some businesses have them. Uh, you know, the London interbase offering rate is is now, uh, you know, is not is, is going away. All right. The problem is, is that we had an alternative reference rate committee, which uh, is a group of private market participants convened by the Fed. Uh, and they took a step back. They're, they're not I don't think they're going to get uh, this legislation done by uh, the, the date we just mentioned. So we'll see what happens. So the world uh, can't take its eyes off the U.S. election, and, and not only because it looks like a Netflix show, the outcome will impact U.S. trades, foreign and regulatory policies. And we look at the repercussions for, for the EU and the U.K., and I think 
It's, you know, historically, culturally, political ties between the U.S. and the EU forged, in the words of the European Commission, is the largest, most bilateral trade and investment relationship in the world. And the U.S. and the EU have long been each other's largest trading partners and probably continue for a while. And I think it's going to remain the case now that the U.K. has uh, ditched the EU. Uh, But the relationship goes far beyond trade. You know, it's it's other things. It's uh, uh, even with the U.K. out of the EU, the U.S. and the EU will remain each other's largest sources and destinations for foreign direct investment. So it's a big, big thing. So. There's a lot riding on this, and, and we'll find out uh, where we go from here. Um, somebody said, Tim, why don't you go to cash? And look, I, I think you got to understand that there's a cost to going to cash, all right? Many investors panicked and fled to cash when the news of COVID hit, and they sold at the bottom. And I told them, I had five people call me, say, sell everything and hang up on me, and they wouldn't pick up the phone. So I had to sell it, all right? Uh, made me crazy. I told them not to in, in a couple of cases. They did it anyway. And it caused, you know, so we had this big, sharp uh, sell-off in the first quarter. And none of those people were around for the, the, the move back up. Okay? So it was, it was like an interest cycle correction that happens uh, fast but rebounds just as quickly. So you don't know. Look, corrections, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, are hard and fast. But just remember, you know, in the 2015, the percent of the correction recovered in the first week after it was 50% of it. 2016, 43. 2018, 43. 2020, 27%. The percent of downside recovered in the first two weeks in 2015 was 64%. 2016, 78%. 2018, 52%, and 2020, 62%, meaning you had to be very nimble to get in and out. And you've got to understand that. You know, you've got to understand that. And that's that's what I think you've got to be paying attention to. Uh, look, we prefer time in the market, all right? I like to be in the market at certain times. I do, you know, look, I, I went to a little bit of cash in February. I had 20, 25% cash. I still haven't invested all of it, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure out of it. You know, we are not making a new high, okay? The QQQs are the only index that make a new high, and I can tell you this: a lot of the, the stocks in the QQQ look like they're making lower highs. And trust me, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, lower highs are not good. Um, I'll just say that you know, you know, you got to be careful. But I think there's a rotation going on, and you got to remember that. So uh, there we go. Now, look, uh, I keep talking about this, but I'm going to bang it into your head. The COVID-19 disruption has hammered home the necessity is the mother invention. (laughs) Mark Mahaney is our top-ranked Internet analyst, and uh, we asked him what the impact uh, uh, the COVID crisis is having on the Internet sector, all right? Which technologies and, and categories could benefit? So this is some of the stuff that he talked about. The pandemic has highlighted the competitive edge that digital platforms can provide, and the online distribution seems to be a structural winner from the crisis. The shift to online distribution has received new impetus due to the crisis, and we believe this trend is here to stay, which I agree. Ride-sharing companies were deeply affected by the crisis, but a snapback is already becoming quite apparent. Regulatory risk for the Internet sector, which could used to be a main concern, is on the back burner for now, okay, for now. Uh, 
but you, you got to understand that Mark is thinking ahead, all right? And I also think that the the guys that are doing the uh, the the payment stuff, uh, you know, all the fintech players, you know, they're they're advanced in their move. So you got to wait for them to pull back, but they're important. I also think the guys that are doing security, you got to pay attention to those guys. Uh, they're very very important. Uh, and you know, we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know. I'm, look, I think the, the technology stock's got to correct for a while because they're advanced. Some of them are advanced too far, in Tim's opinion. And I looked at the FANG stocks, and I found one of the FANG stocks that has a chart that I like, just one. And the rest of them I don't like. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I, I was I was reviewing them over the weekend, the, the weekly charts, and it's something we're going to look at. Hey, I forgot to mention this is a live show, so if you've got a question, 216 901 0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is uh, the Smart Investor Show, and I believe we have John on the line. Uh, hey, Tim. Uh, yeah, hey, Tim. I appreciate your show and been listening for for a while, and I always uh, you know enjoy your your takes on the market. You know, on Friday there was that big drop, and then the last like what ten minutes, the, the, you saw a big spike in all the the futures. And I was wondering, is do you think that that is that signal that was that just like algorithms? Was that short covering, or was that you think that that signals that that people are expecting that we're going to see a rise this week as this election is uh, resolved, and if there is no contested election? Uh, maybe you know. Um, here's the problem. I was going to talk about this in the next segment, but I'll talk about it now. The bullish percent hit eighty percent this summer, and then it hit seventy percent, and now it hit fifty percent. That is what we call a series of lower highs. Okay, so I think I, I think there's a, several things that are that are wrong here. Number one, we don't have any kind. You know, the government shut down everybody. Now they're not helping. Okay, they're they're taking their ball and going home because of the election. Nobody likes that. Uh, number two, you have the election, <laughs> and uh, number three, you have more COVID cases. So that's a, you know that's a you know, my uncle used to box and he used to teach me, he said, you know, you leave with a cross and you, you come across with a, uh, uh, you know, I can't say, jab, cross and hook. And if you hit the guy with the hook, usually he's not getting back up. OK, so that's what you got to worry about. Now, the government can turn around Monday. Who knows? So maybe there's a deal over the weekend. That's what probably not. Right. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, so, no way. Right. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, a yeah, lot of so. things were hit. A lot of the growth stocks were hit, you know, five, six, seven percent. And you had these, um, you know, the, the big cap earnings announced and they were all sold off. I mean, how do you does that do you, do you associate that with just the fang or do you associate that with just the broader kind of the idea that any any positive news is sold off, which I find very worrisome? I agree. And and uh, first of all, the bullish percent turned down this week, which is not uh, making me all happy. Number two, I mean, you're leading into what I was going to talk about, John. So you're the straight man today. Uh, and I was, I was just about to talk about that they, the, most of the, the FANG stocks, with the exception of one, uh, the charts are making lower highs. <laughs> uh, 
That ain't good. Yeah. All right. Uh, especially when you're, I mean, if you look at the monthly charts on these things, and I look at a logarithmic chart, okay, not logarithmic, a logarithmic, and uh, they're fairly parabolic. So uh, they had to correct eventually. I mean, uh, Apple going up because it's splitting is ridiculous. It's growing at 4% with a 35P, you know. So yeah. they're probably just going to digest the gains a little bit, John. That's all. All right. Yeah. I'm not saying these are the worst companies or anything like that. Just uh, I, I, I think there's going to be a change in leadership. Yeah. Have you looked at the, you also, do you look at the fear and greed index to see like, cause is, what is it down to like, I think the, the, on the, the fear and greed index I saw was at like 35%, which is like, so, so much lower. I mean, it's just really just taking a dive. It seems of late, you know, are you talking about the VIX? Well, just a, this, this, the, in, on the sentiment in general, the RSI, the sentiment on the, on the market, you know, it's just like in the last, like, you know, month or so it just seems like it's been a steady down for i think it was up to about 60 percent and now it's down to what 35 maybe 40 uh, you're, you're talking more relative strength than anything but uh well the, look the vix you know which is the fear index has not gone down you know i mentioned that the last two weeks it's not gone down okay no i'm That's saying it, it seems to be greater fear because of the vix spiking because of the uh, because RSI is going down and, and in sentiment going yeah. down it's put call ratios go put call going up well, the put call ratio was, you know, I mentioned that two weeks ago was very, very low. So you you knew something was up. Uh, um, so the, you know, but the VIX never went down. I mean, it should have been nine ten if everything was all right, but it stayed up in the thirty five area. And now it's over forty. Yeah. It's like forty five. So uh, you know, everybody's scared. I mean, there's lots of reasons to be. Uh, however, I just think there's going to be a change. Look, if if Biden gets in, and they have him, this. Yeah, I'm sorry, what's that? I mean, if Biden gets in, okay, and they change this capital gain thing, uh, nobody's going to sell anything. Okay, they're just going to, you know, they're going to be buying dividend stocks and, and hold on to them because, uh, first of all, there'll probably be a massive sell off if it, it gets approved. Okay, uh, because, you know, basically what you're doing is you have to readjust, you have to personally readjust your your cost basis for your kids yeah you know what i mean yeah so yeah uh it it it, it could be it, it could be look there's lots of problems right? but that's usually the best way the best time to be investing and somewhere around here we're gonna have another really good viable bottom i think it's coming sooner yeah. than later okay so you're saying that we're gonna be seeing a bottom pretty soon then you're thinking uh, I, I look I, I the bullish percent turned down okay it's around 42 i uh, remember it get you get i get bullish when it gets below 30 but remember, in the spring, it went to five, the lowest reading I've ever seen. So, yeah, you know, uh, I don't want to, you don't want to predict a predictor. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, so you just you know, you wait till it, it turns, and uh, you listen to the show. I'll let you know. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much. Right. I really appreciate. Once again, appreciate your takes on everything. Okay. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Have a good day. Anyway. Weekend. All right. Anyway, I I can't of the Fang stock. Uh, I, and, you know, I, I can't see any that I like uh, on a chart right now. So with the exception of one, there's one chart that I like. And, uh, you know, one of the FANG stocks had really good earnings le- uh, last week. And, uh, you know, and I, I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting. But the, the big tech stocks uh, have been weakening. And they're, they're a very large part. Remember, FANG was up to 23% uh, 
of the S&P 500. So if they sell off, the market's going to sell off. So, But look, we have some broad selling pressure, but I don't think it's enough to tip the scale yet anyway. I mean, and I'm, I'm seeing some really, uh, you know, uh, uh, there was not only selling, but there was a lack of buying of some things. I, I saw some people just pull their bids, you know. Uh, that's usually a sign that you're getting, you know, you got uh, you got some problems on your hands. Uh, but look, the S and P uh, is, you know, broke support on Friday. Uh, I did notice, as John said, that the RSI has been trending down for some time, um, and the PPO. If you don't know what these are, you you got to look them up. Uh, I don't have time to explain them. Uh, you know, are looking kind of shaky too, and and the large cap index has been making for the last week or so uh, some lower highs too. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on here, and I guess if I looked at the, you know, the top ten in the S and P 500, there's a lot of toppy charts, all right. And those are the guys that are, you know, uh, the the big big uh, technology stocks are the guys that are uh, looking kind of sh- uh, shaky at this point. Now there is one, like I said, that broke out of the downtrend, uh, which is usually a positive thing. So we'll see if it holds. Uh, but the rest of them have been kind of shaky. So. Uh, you know, we, we bring this to your attention simply because of the fact that you should know. But look, um, you know, I guess the recent, you know, equity sell-off, uh, I guess is the major, the major uh, correct question is, is it a major correction? You know, uh, look, we hadn't, we hadn't had a week like this since uh, March, second week of March, I think it was. Uh, and the New York downside versus upside volume was pretty much 10 to 1. Uh and at one interday reading, it was 20 to 1. So uh, we haven't seen that in a while. Now, the put-to-call ratio, uh, which is number of puts bought for calls, was very bearish, as I said, two weeks ago and, and last week, too. So it's it's been unwinding a lot of the optimism, okay? So intermediate term and weekly indicators uh, continue to bottom, which I think is very important. Uh, I, I guess, you know, if I was looking the daily uh, momentum uh things we've we've hit the zero mark uh so you know we probably have another you know couple weeks of uh you know being bounced around but you know the vix is what's interesting uh the vix on uh you know broke out you know like i said it's been it's been over 30 for a pretty long time and then broke out it's you know it's, it's over 41 now 42 uh the the vx end which had been you know up there uh broke out too now the put to call ratio was way down to 0.4, which is usually that's everybody's too bullish. A lot of people buying options that don't don't know what they do, you know, don't know that you get pretty well routed in those things. Uh, so that's that's interesting. But the weekly quadrant balance momentum indicator is starting to turn up. So that's where my great hope is, uh, you know. But I will say this: growth versus value is no longer. You know, it's no longer going up. It's going sideways. And it doesn't matter if you're looking at large cap growth stocks or mid cap growth growth stocks or small cap. It's all going sideways. So uh, this might be the turn that we we're looking for for value stocks. We don't know. Um, I did notice the 10 year yields look like they're breaking out and then broke down hard. It seems as though yields and oil. are. If COVID goes up, they go down. <laughs> All right. So that's that's what you want to monitor. So if you see, you know, like oil got crushed this week, you know, four or five bucks and yields look like they were breaking out. That's what I'm talking about for like two or three weeks. And they broke right back down. So 
that's that's kind of the key uh, scenario, I think, that you 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 should be looking at. But you know, uh, consumer discretionary uh, and consumer communication services look like they've uh, turned up a little bit, and uh, you know, I think the established stuff that's up is is uh, has been technology and uh, materials and. Technology's kind of rolling over a little bit. Uh, materials are are just starting to roll over, but I did notice healthcare. Uh, you know, I had three or four columns of healthcare stocks on my charts every day this last week, and I think that's very important too. So uh, I also noticed that utilities, which we talked about, big utility sector looks. You know, buy yield when it's up. Remember, buy yield when it's up. Once again, we're going to take a break here. The phone number here is two one six. Uh, 901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We're going to be right back. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And, uh, you know, I, I read a couple of our pieces this week and and uh one of the things we're seeing is that uh, you know during the obama administration when we had l- slower growth dividend stocks were in you know utilities REITs, all those things went crazy um and now uh dividend stocks are out okay they've been down and out and i was gonna gonna review our dividend growth or prime income list today didn't have the time unfortunately but um I think, you know, it's time to start looking at those again, especially if, uh, uh, you know, something happens Tuesday that we don't like. Uh, at least I don't like, as you know, I'm a Republican, so I I, I uh, say it loud and clear. But, you know, I have touched on uh, some of the market strength in emerging markets recently uh, and this part of the show, uh, particularly China. You know, China's been leading the way. And I talked about a couple of the ETFs. And it had really good scores. And I recommended this back about this time last year. And it's up about 4% from there. So, you know, it took the hit down and came back on. And one of its top holdings is Alibaba. And uh, Alibaba reached $38 billion in sales on their one-day shopping thing. Okay. So to put that in perspective, Amazon's Prime brought, brought in $3.5 billion. So currently, you know, Alibaba is a five for five in the Dorsey Wright system. Uh, but you got to, you know, that's that's just basically talking about the technicals. You got to look at the fundamentals yourself. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, um, you know, how that goes. So anyway, we talk about the bullish percent here, and and this is a risk age. It's been been around for about a hundred years, and uh, Charles Dow's proteges put it together. And they used point and figure charts back then, and we still use point and figure charts to this day. It's kind of the box theory, you know, the how I made $2 million in the stock market type of thing. And, you know, basically, uh, it's X's and O's, all right? And it, so it goes from 0 to 100. When you get over 70, you know, which we were we were at 70, and then we got to 80. This summer, we got to 80, and then we got to 70 again. Uh, that's overbought. That's, that's the red zone. That's when you should be cautious. When you get below 30, like we did in March, and we may be heading now, uh, that's when you want to get greedy, all right? Uh, so, you, you know, it automatically makes you unsubjective. So your opinion doesn't matter. You know, if you keep saying, oh, the market's going down, 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 and it's at five, you're wrong. <laughs> when it turns, you're wrong. It's as simple as that. So 
you got to use what's available to you. And it's, it's a great, it's a, you know, a phenomenal thing to use. Now, it doesn't mean you have, when you go into a column of O's, which is distribution, column of X's is the offensive teams on the field, right? That you have to sell everything, okay? Uh, usually, uh, there's, a, there's only been a couple times, and, and I said this on the, on, the, on the show, I said, when, when domestic equities were the lowest form of life on the dynamic asset level investing scale, at Dorsey Wright, I said that the money market would outperform the stock market. And we were right. But their domestic equities are still the top asset class. Now, they're at, they're at 52 right now, which uh, would send them into a column of O's. Uh, I believe they finished Friday at like 49. All right. So we're down about, we were 60 just a week ago, and you know we let it all down. Uh, the over-the-counter index uh, is in a column of O's also. It, it was down at 42, uh, 44 is when it broke down, and the world index is now at 39. It is also in a column of uh, O's, and this all happened on on the uh, the opening on Thursday, by the way. Uh, so you know you got to be a little bit more defensive. All right, start to look at your account. You get something that's not working. You know, uh, pay attention. I still got a lot of cash. Uh, I, I think I think the market's going to change leadership. I think it could go to small caps. Uh, People have not been paying attention to small caps since 2013. I think it could go to uh, possibly industrials that started to emerge, even financials. You know, it's funny. We talked about the uh, our friends at Fundstrat, Tom Lee, talked about the epicenter stocks. And I noticed with all the bad news, they're not really going down. They're backing up a little bit, but they're still in the sideways consolidation. And, and you know, uh, the, the cruise lines, the the airlines, they're all just going sideways. So it'll be interesting. So we're in a column of O's, all right? Uh, we're below 50. I think what you have to be thinking about at this point uh, is, uh, you know, uh, you've got to be a little bit more defensive, okay? Maybe raise some cash. Uh, you know, it depends on how fast we go down and how fast we come back up. I don't know. But look, the, the past week, uh, and it's only been a week, you know, so we've had some major deterioration come on. Um We've seen some equity groups uh, falter, uh, you know, uh, but I look, we've just had negative momentum for a week in the Dow Jones. Uh, you know, it's funny because the emerging markets have been positive for three weeks. The 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 more mature industries or c- countries out there have been uh, down for a long, long time. But the small caps and mid caps, we still had positive momentum going into Thursday, probably turned down. And uh you know, some of the bigger names have started to turn down too. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on from here. Uh, I, I did notice, uh, you know, one of the things I'm seeing is uh, triangle formations form. And this is where you just got uh, a series, you know, of X's and a series of O's and a series of X's that make a little bit lower high than a series of O's. And a bullish triangle is when you break out of that on a big move to the to the north. And a bearish triangle would be uh, if we went the other direction, right? So we're setting that up in the QQQs, which are the NASDAQ or the Invesco QQQs are the NASDAQ uh, 100 stocks, okay? So that's what's been leading the way. So if they were to break to the the downside, my theory about a change in leadership will probably come true, all right? So there we go. Um, You know, look. The one thing I will say about the QQQs is demand, you know, earlier this month, demand just sent them 
uh, skyrocketing. Uh, and, and earlier this summer, I'm sorry, then they, you know, we've been back and forth between August and September and, and now uh, October and going into November. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see if we break. We would break a bearish triangle. A bullish triangle would be completed with a, a break at 300. Uh, the bearish uh, version of that would be uh, uh, two uh, sixty five, two sixty, somewhere around there. All right, so you know that we'd we'd be in a, a bundle of trouble there. Uh, anyway, I, I looked at our favorite sectors, and we still only have eleven. Some of them are way overbought. So we just talk about favorite sectors. We always talk about the most overbought. Okay, so these are the ones you wait for. Uh, and they are housing, chemical, machinery, and textiles are at 70. At 64 are steel and restaurants. At 60 are automobiles, retail, and building. And then at 50 is computers, gaming, and aerospace. <clears throat> That's it, folks. That's all there is. And uh, we do have uh, oil and oil service are down at 16, so they are not favored. So we want we want to look for those for a reversal up. That may never happen, <laughs> but I only have you know drugs and uh, waste management are the only two bull confirmed groups that I know of. Uh, and you know, be honest with you, with drugs, I'm not seeing them move out. I just think they're holding up better. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Um, I did notice healthcare reversed up this week. Uh, so that you know uh, in a positive way. Um, so that, that's fairly positive. I guess the question is, will they drag, you know, drugs and biotech with them? Who knows? Um, look, I noticed Gilead got Redemazir approved by the FDA and they went down. Here you get a company, you know, eight times earnings with a four and a half percent dividend yield and they get a product approved. And by the way, they have basically, uh, solved the hepatitis problem, hepatitis C, uh, is no longer a problem. If you have it, you get a drug and it cures you. And, and also the uh, uh, HIV, uh, you know, they have the two of the three drugs in the combination that are keeping people alive for a long, long time. So uh, it's interesting. It's, you know, they, uh, they don't love them. But anyway, healthcare and savings and loans went from unfavored to average this week. So that's a positive thing. And, and I, look, I was looking at the, uh, uh, the international, you know, and I was looking at, you know, what directions things were going. Here's some of the things I saw starting to move out. Uh, India was one of the top top moves in the right direction. Emerging markets diversified that, you know, so that's like 20 ETFs. The Pacific Basin, except for Japan, and all emerging markets. So emerging markets, emerging markets, key <laughs> markets is what it comes down to with it. But India, uh, the India group had a, has a multiple of ETFs. Uh, that look pretty good. And, and I, you know, uh, one example is INDA. All right. Uh, if it reverses back up in X's, you know, you're in pretty good shape, but, uh, there's, there's quite a few in there. As far as the fixed income is concerned, the 10 year treasury index reversed down. And what I'm talking about is the yield index, the TNX. Okay. So here it looked like it was ready to get up and go. And like I said, it and oil are moving in the same direction. Uh, or the opposite direction of COVID cases. So when COVID cases rally, oil goes down, interest rates go down. That's that simple. You know, uh, I got a question from Bert 
uh, last week, and uh, he's listened to the show for a long, long time. And he said, Tim, what is the AGG? And that's an aggregate. Uh, uh, the AGG is is um, a ETF that's basically into bonds, government bonds. Okay. And but you know what I noticed is uh, if you look at 2008, it was uh, 22% U.S. Treasuries, 45% securitized or asset-backed type things, uh, 13% you know just other stuff, and corporates were 20. Now it's 24% corporates, 6% others, 29% securitized, and 41% Treasuries. Uh, it's really changed, so uh, it's an interesting you know. See if they're right. The fast, uh, I just think uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff that's going to worry about in the fixed income area. You know, we're we're looking at uh, uh, interest rates the lowest they've ever been. Um, gold's been uh, negative momentum now for ten weeks, so it'll be interesting to see if that turns. Uh, the dollar started to go. Copper was was breaking out last week, and, and but it's had negative momentum for a couple weeks, so we'll we'll see what happens. Relative strength changes, just a couple. Apogee, Goodyear, Harley-Davidson. I mentioned that in, without saying the name a couple weeks ago. And Park, Ohio. And uh, Make My Trip and and Matson, which is an industrial goods company, and Select Medical were the big uh, relative strength buy signals. Uh, and on the sell side uh, was Citrix. It's a stay-at-home company. Inter- international Game, Ligant, and Eli Lilly. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and uh, I, I think we have time for a question if you want to get one in there. It's 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. So we talk about insiders every week. So what we've done is we've given you some relative strength buys. It wasn't a lot this week, I realize it. Uh, so we've, we've talked about the economy, the election, and we've moved our way down, okay, to give you some ideas. And uh, I'm not recommending any of these ideas. I'm just telling you these are things that are happening. So the relative strength buys, or, you know, that's something you got to do yourself. And then insiders. Insiders are early, just so you remember. They tend to be, uh, uh, I'm just looking for the big buys, the really big buys. And, uh, you know, you should be too. <laughs> and just remember, uh, the bigger the buy, the, you know, pe- people sell for a lot of reasons. The insiders buy for one. They know their company better than we do, okay? So the big one of the week was Greg Hayes, who's not related to me, and it's Raytheon. And uh, he bought 55,000 shares to the tune of $3 million. He is the president and CEO. Uh, he was United Technologies and split Carrier Off and, and Otis. And by the way, both of those have gone nuts on the upside. Uh, and Raytheon's fallen off. So interesting. Uh, and he's not the only guy. Uh, the executive ch- chairman, Tom Kennedy, uh, bought 19,000 shares to the tune of one million. So that's uh, that's interesting. And we had a director, uh, Dinesh uh, Talawal, and he bought uh, about half a million dollars worth. So we have some people that uh, are liking Raytheon this week. Uh, Raytheon's a, a great company, I think, too. So, uh, and then you know, here's an interesting one: Live Oaks Bank shares. Uh, 
there's a gentleman by the name of James Mahan. He's a chief executive officer there. And he bought three times, uh, he bought a couple times last week, and then he bought three times this week to the tune. Uh, so he bought one, one day, two million, another day, 1.7, another day, 1.4, another day, a million, uh, which is at a new high. Huh? At a new high. Isn't that interesting? And then, uh, you know, we have uh, Eris Capital. Uh, the uh, David uh, Devere, who's the chief executive officer there, uh, bought about a million dollars worth. Uh, so, and by the way, uh, this one was down. So we have two, uh, you know, it had been a $15 stock, was now about 13 and a half. That's interesting. Now, here's a couple other games that I think are really interesting. Well, here, uh, Foghorn Therapeutics. Uh, we have a uh, Abdu, Abu Dhabi Investment Authority which they formerly owned 10 percent. I don't know if they still do or not. Uh, bought 150,000 shares on the offering, and uh, so that's about 2.4 million. Uh, interesting scenario. And then IBM, which is getting killed. We have uh, Fred McNabb, who's a director. Uh, he bought a million dollars worth. And then we had uh, Sidney Torrell, who's another director, buy about 550,000 dollars worth. And uh, then we had Fred Waddle buy about 100,000 dollars worth. So, uh, you know, three guys buying the uh, stock this down. That's interesting. And then uh, Honeywell, uh, Honeywell International, uh, which may be it's a 10 percent owner. You know, it's the company. Uh, they they bought uh, 800,000 and another 500,000. Uh, and then uh, they bought another 150,000. So uh, you like to see when the company's buying back its own stock. Right. Uh, I think this is for their stock plan, which is good. And uh, then uh, Crown Castle. Uh, is now REIT, by the way. Uh, you know, the stock's been beat up a little bit. It was 170, now it's about uh, 136. Uh, we had the uh, uh, director, uh, Landis Martin, uh, buy a uh, million dollars worth. Uh, so, just a couple they want to mention uh, that I think are kind of interesting. Uh, Kimberly Clark fell off, and you know, basically it was because of last quarter's earnings, but they said next quarter was going to be better. And Robert Detchert, who's a director, uh, stepped up and bought $400,000 worth. Uh, last week, by the way, somebody else bought two hundred and eighty. I did not highlight it because it was not, but I'm starting to see more of it. And then um, also, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Intel. We had Bob Swan, who's the CEO. Now, he's been, he's been buying half a million here, half a million there, half a million here, and he just bought another $400,000 worth. So you like to see that. And then uh, also um, uh, Agree Realty Corp. We've had uh, two or three buyers here. Uh, the president and CEO, his name is Joey Agree. Uh, he bought half a million dollars worth. Then he bought uh, uh, another. Where is oh, <laughs> uh, bought another four hundred thousand dollars worth. So a couple names there. Anyway, um, so for the week, I think what we got to look at is um, a couple things. You know, last week I was talking about a bottoming pattern in, in interest rates. Well, they broke the bottoming pattern, so it doesn't look like interest rates are coming back up. You know, uh, we, we're a little bit above. We are 0.78%. Uh, we're now, you know, below at 0.68, which breaks that little uptrend that we were talking about. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. But like I said, uh, if you want to watch COVID, if you want to see how COVID's doing, watch oil and interest rates. If they start to take off, then COVID is is going away, all right? If they stay where they are, 
COVID's here to stay for a while. Now, look, I, I think if you look at the S&P 500, and this, this is, I think, you got to keep in your mind, we're still in a long-term uptrend. Now, some people say it started in 2009. Uh, you know, we, we broke out in 2013, but that was uh, above where we were for the decade, uh, for the 13 years. It was mostly utilities and REITs that broke out uh, and dividend stocks. Since then, uh, they have been nowhere to be found in growth. So we had a, you know, a cyclical change then. Uh, but if you look at the long-term pattern, we're still in a bull market. Okay, so you know you got to remember that. And and I think uh, a lot of people are, you know, not. Uh, <laughs> but look, uh, I looked at some of the, you know, the S and P 500 uh, support areas, and I think 3,200 would be a good place. And, and Bob Dickey does too, by the way. So I feel pretty good about that. And he also thinks right around 29. Uh, 2980 is another major support area. Uh, I don't like the fact that we've made lower highs. Uh, that is not something that uh, I would, you know, I, I love. Uh, and I would just, I would just suggest that, uh, look, the market index patterns have been hit, hit some high points in August and hit a lower high in September uh, or first week of October, I should say. So, Lower highs are not something I like. Uh, also, if you look at the tech-heavy NASDAQ, it also is a very similar range that's developing as the S&P 500 and the Dow. Um, and lower highs are not not good usually. Uh, so I think, you know, if, if I were in the NASDAQ uh, QQQs, I'd be looking at 10,500 uh, as my, you know, ultimate support. And it'd be interesting to see if we get there. Um, I just think, you know, it's all ahead neutral. <laughs> I think Bob, that was one of Bob Dickey's lines. And, uh, I, you know, look, we broke through uh, Friday. Uh, the, we broke the support line on the Dow and the S&P 500. So now I think that the support on the Dow is around 24,800. So if we don't hold that, then I think we've got, some, we've got some serious problems to worry about. So, look, we've been talking about this. The VIX has not been going down. Talked about it for three weeks. That's not a good sign. We talked about the put to call ratio being way too low a couple weeks ago. So uh, the fact that the bullish percent turned up and turned back down very quickly is not a good sign. Okay. Uh, so I'm not exactly a roaring bull at this point. I think we have to wait and see how uh, stuff like Apple and, and Amazon and some of the FANG stocks, they're the leadership. Okay. And if they start to fail further, uh, you know, that, that would be a bad sign, I would think. Now, on the other hand, we've got to look for new leadership, all right? If they start to fail, there'll be new leadership. Uh, utilities made a big move last week. You know, we talked about them two weeks ago and then last week. Remember, buy yield when it's up. Uh, and so uh, dividend stocks, I think, could come back, too. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of the industrials still holding up. And, and I think Tom Lee may be right on these epicenter stocks. You got to look for those and make sure that you're paying very close attention because uh, they're not going down any further, not in a big way. They're, stay, they're staying within a pattern. Uh, that's what they call bottoming. Okay, so they're down far enough where I think the sellers are gone. Uh, question is, is there any buyers? <laughs> uh, you don't want to stay in a stock for two or three years that doesn't go up, right? Uh, but the point is, is that they're going sideways. And that's a good sign. That's a bottoming process. Uh, 
you know, the, the housing stocks went sideways for three or four years after they peaked in 2005. By the way, we said that, that on the show. We said, you know, it's a parabolic chart in the housing. So uh, made a pretty good call there. Anyway, uh, what I'd be doing is this. Um, I think small caps could have a resurgence coming here, but uh, I, I don't want to mouth that too quickly because I, I do think we, we want to be careful for a while. So Moses, uh, uh, not Moses, I'm sorry, uh, Noah didn't start building the ark the day it started raining. He built it way beforehand. So here's what I'd be doing. I'd be calling Tim and saying, hey, I need your dividend growth portfolio, your prime income list, or emailing me. You go to WHK1420, and there's a uh, you know local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. It goes right to my webpage. Uh, if you go on Insights, there are all sorts of email me, contact me, whatever. Uh, you know, So we'll be glad to send that out to you. In the meantime, we do have some things that I think could do really well. It's our top small cap list. This is, you know, this is not for widows or orphans, okay? Uh, this, you know, this is more high uh, beta type stuff. Also, we have our multi-cap portfolio, which I think is a really great idea too. So the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, for those guys uh, and gals that are still in a business, there's a business go- owner's guide to transition planning. And what a great time to be borrowing money, especially if you can get a 30-year fixed or a 15-year fixed at 2%. It's 3%. Works out great. The Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. In the meantime, have a great weekend. We're talking about snow tomorrow. Oh, I love Northeast Ohio. Anyway, remember, uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And remember, buy low, sell high. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.